to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Hey, we are in week two of our Slightly Better Relationship series and I had the pleasure of launching us off last week and today we are in for a treat. So... Slightly better relationships. You may look at that as a little bit of an odd title and go, why would we do a series titled Slightly Better Relationships? Well, there's a few key reasons, quite strategic, intentional reasons, one of which is that God is a relational God. He is interested in relationships. He is by his very definition and being a relational God, and we know that his heart is that we are always pursuing relationships and growing in that area. Secondly, slightly better. We feel that that's quite an empowering statement, right? Given the season that we are in globally, we're not asking you to be monumentally better or significantly better, but we can lean in the direction of being slightly better, can we not? In terms of our parenting, in terms of how we do married life, in terms of how we interact with our neighbours, our friends, our work colleagues, we can all lean in the direction of slightly better, so we hope that empowers you. And thirdly, there is a lot of research around around the place at the moment to indicate that one of the greatest casualties of COVID-19 is actually relationally. Never mind, obviously, the economic, health, political challenges. Casualties to relationships, marriages, families have been hit incredibly hard. And so it is the church's role to not just go, oh, shame about that. It is the church's role to lean into what Jesus said and did, to lean into the biblical truth that we have in our scripture, and then to lean in the direction of not only trying to empower you, but to empower those around us, how we can actually move through this season. Hence the reason why we're doing this series. So I am excited today that we have the dynamic duo of, wait for it, So we have Eden from C3QB, who is the Life Kids pastor there, and we have Tom Hawkes, who is part one of two of our C3 Hepburn Heights young adult pastors, and both of these guys today are going to come and share. And let me tell you a couple of things that I love about both Eden and Tom, that they have a tenacious leaning for growth as people, as friends, as leaders, as ministers. They both live a life abounding in wisdom. They are both authentic Jesus followers who embrace the grit and glory of their call. They both continue to dig deep in word and prayer. And they both have a posture of leaning and learning. So I'd encourage you today, let's lean into these guys because I know they're going to minister and bless us in this slightly better relationship space. So let's welcome first up, Eden. Woo, hey, C3 Hepburn Heights. Wow. So good to be with you today. And uh, thank you, Pastor M, for those beautiful words. And thank you to both yourself, Pastor Jace, your leadership. Uh, You are leaders that stand and continue to stand. And uh, whether the seas are stormy or they're calm, so thank you for that. I've been constant. We need constant leaders, don't we, particularly in our church space. Uh, Thank you to Pastor Ben and Karen for inviting me to be here today. Thank you also to this whole pastoral team, of course, across all our locations. Uh, Congregation, we are so blessed, aren't we, uh, with the leaders and the pastors that we have. And during the weeks, have you prompted 
pray for them. They're on the front lines and in the trenches and your prayers make a difference for our leaders. I'm talking about kindness today, as you can see. Uh, And, you know, we need Jesus. We need Jesus at the centre to show kindness. Because have you noticed that life can be a bit hectic and busy? Have you ever felt like the world is falling in on you as you attempt to manage the various things that require your attention? Do you have long to-do lists or deadlines to make? Do you sometimes feel uh, a struggle with the needs, the demands in your relationships? We can easily get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of everyday life, even use it as an excuse that we neglect to respond in our relationships and our interactions with others with a spirit of kindness. Uh, Kindness is a key principle in the kingdom of God. It's a part of God's nature. We read in in Galatians 5 that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, We read in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. And Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, patience, and so on. And so clearly God's desire is for us to show kindness in our relationships, whether that's our marriages, our friendships, co-workers, neighbours, strangers on the street. He wants us to show and display the kindness that only comes from Him. So I want to encourage and challenge you today that despite the busyness and the needs and the demands of a crushing crowd, Jesus chose to show the kindness of God. And so let's turn right now to Mark chapter 5. Jesus has had a a long day. (laughs) He's covered a lot of ground going uh, across the Sea of Galilee. He's ministered to a demon-possessed man. He's done a few other things. He's traveled back across the Sea of Galilee again, uh, where he's been met by Jairus, a synagogue leader, who's pleaded with him to to come because his little girl is dying and he needs Jesus' help. As we find Jesus and his disciples now making their way to uh, Jairus' house. So verse 24, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Are you feeling a spirit of kindness just welling up in you as you imagine getting off the boat? You've had a long day and a crowd's just pressing in around you. You know, they're just following you with all their needs and their expectations. I'm tired just reading that scripture, to be honest with you. And so listen to what happens next. Verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt, uh, she, she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? So Jesus is on his way to the deathbed of a dying girl, and yet he turns around and asks, who touched my clothes? In this huge crowd of people, Jesus looks for this one person. Realising what had happened, he knew power had gone out of him. He could have easily thought, great, someone's been healed, and just kept making his way to Jairus' house. But that's not what happens. Uh, he, he, instead, Jesus, he turns around, he stops. And he's responding here with a spirit of kindness to this woman. And, and he's doing that because he's focused on where he is in that moment. My first point here is that kindness is interruptible. 
Kindness is interruptible. It's alert to the here and now moments. Fostering healthy and vibrant relationships requires us to pay attention to what's happening right in front of us. Whether we're at the dinner table with our family or having a conversation with our spouse, we're in the staff room at work, we're taking our kids to school. When we're at the cafe with a friend, how many of you, and I'm even guilty of this, you know, have our phones on the, on the cafe table? Really? <laughs> We can't put our phone in our pocket or in our bag for one hour, maybe a bit more to engage with that person in front of us. Holy. I I think some of you need to hear this. Maybe I do too. Put away your phone. (laughs) Put away your phone. (laughs) Maybe that's where kindness starts for you. We we can become so focused on the to-do list for the day, where we're going, what we want to achieve, how many likes our latest Instagram post has, that we miss what's happening right in front of us. We're not attentive to the present need because we're distracted by where we want to get to or what's happening around us. And because of this, we neglect to show the kindness of God right where we are. I mean, it seems very basic, right? But who knows how easy it is to stuff up the basics. Kindness begins in the basics. It begins in looking at the person that's talking to you or putting away your phone or limiting the distractions around you to serve that person with the best of what you have and what God has given you. Every day, every day, God gives you, gives me opportunities to show and activate the kindness of God. And, and, and so uh, with these opportunities, they're like divine interruptions, you know, uh, and, and we're going to miss them if we get caught up in the busyness of where we're going and are not paying attention. The woman who touched Jesus' cloak, that was a divine interruption. And Jesus took the opportunity to show the kindness of God. Why was that? Because Jesus knew that this woman needed more than just a touch of the dirty hem of his cloak. Jesus knew that this woman needed a touch of his love, a touch of his kindness. Your relationships, my relationships need a touch of the kindness of God. And guess what? He wants to use you to impart it to their lives because guess what? You're the difference. You're the difference. And, And people don't need a random act of kindness. People need intentional and specific acts of kindness that's motivated by the Holy Spirit, right? That's what they need. They don't need something that's random. They need kindness that has the power to transform. Kindness that has the power to even change the the direction of someone's day, maybe even their life. The world's kindness can't do that for you. Only Jesus can. And so, so kindness is interruptible. Kindness listens. You know, Mark implies in chapter 531 that the disciples are a bit agitated by Jesus attempting to, to find this person, this woman. Verse 31, you see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Uh, I, I read that uh, when I was preparing. I read that. I thought, oh, I can hear myself in that dialogue. I'm, I'm the disciples. I'm the one saying, Jesus, come on. <laughs> We've got to get to this dying girl. What are you? Stop looking for that woman. Like, come on, let's, let's get going. That's me. I feel like I'd be focused on the task that's ahead of me. And I love that Jesus here, he just ignores. He's not even, uh, he's not even really looking. He just keep, he keeps on searching. He's not looking at the disciples and worrying about what they're doing. He's on a mission. He's on a task. And so, and so he ignores them. He keeps looking for the woman. She approaches, verse 33, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. So the implication is that she thought maybe she'd be reprimanded for touching Jesus' cloak and now verbalising, coming up and verbalising to him what's actually happened. 
But something about Jesus' approach here, something about surely the kindness that this woman felt, you know, it breaks down her defences and she feels safe enough to share her story with him. And it's not just the partial truth, but the whole truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And Jesus is giving her the space to actually do that. He's giving her the space to share that story. But here's the thing. It started with Jesus turning around and asking, who touched my clothes? Are we willing to turn around from our task, uh, our mission as noble and as right as it may seem to show the kindness of God? Are we willing to give space, to listen to our spouse, our child, our friend, our co-worker, our boss, our neighbour without trying to fix something or get our point across? Are we willing to keep looking around to see the needs in our relationships beyond the surface level? To show God's kindness and actively listen in our relationships, it takes time, effort, energy. I know you're thinking, oh, really? Take this. I don't want to hear that. But it does. It takes it takes some effort from our part. Some mornings I wake up, I don't just feel the kindness of God. Oh, I just feel so ki- your kindness today, Lord. I just feel it on me. I, I'm ready to just be kind to everyone. Some mornings I wake up, I don't want to listen to other people's problems. I'm a school chaplain. That's an issue, guys. It's a problem. So it's like, okay, uh, there's a problem because now I don't want to listen to to those kids tell me about their friendship issues for the 50th time. Bianca and Jessica, Sarah and I, we agreed that we would all walk together. Uh, But Bianca and Jessica, they walked ahead of me. And they're telling, oh my goodness, I'm thinking, Lord, give me strength. But but I'm serious, right? It's difficult. I don't want to hear the pain or the suffering all the time. I don't want to hear that kid tell me what's going on at home because I know, oh man, I'm going to need to really put some effort in here to, to help this kid. And sometimes it's just naturally you don't feel like that. And when I get to that point, and maybe you do too, you can feel that, that kindness is maybe not quite there. Can I suggest that it's because we're trying to do this out of our own strength, our own capabilities. That's where we need to say, Jesus, I need you. <laughs> Let your spirit of kindness just <laughs> swell up within me, overtake me. Don't let my emotions govern me, but Holy Spirit, help me to rise above that, to see the relationships with spiritual eyes, with your eyesight. Listening intently in our relationships as people share their stories with us is probably one of the most empowering things that we can do for somebody else. And so maybe it's going to take more time than you would like. It might even be a bit inconvenient. Are you willing? Are you willing? Am I willing? The woman with the issue of blood experienced instant healing when she touched Jesus' cloak. But by sharing her story, she walked away with something far more valuable. And she, she, you know, there was more freedom that was released into her life. Imagine if Jesus hadn't turned around. She may have experienced that, that physical healing. What about emotionally? What about spiritually? Jesus didn't only look for her, he listened to her. That's kindness. Which relationships in your world do you need to give more time and space to this week to listen better? Kindness listens. Kindness also speaks life. After the woman shared her story, Jesus could have said, that's great. I've really got to go. There's a girl that's dying and I need to get to her. But he doesn't. He continues to minister to her. Verse 34, daughter. Oh, I love that. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so because Jesus is operating out of a spirit of kindness, he takes the time to speak the words that she so needed to hear. Before this, she was the woman with the issue of blood. But here Jesus speaks to her true 
identity, a daughter of the living God. And so do you know that a kind response can disarm fear, shame and insecurity? The words you speak actually have the power to do that because of the Holy Spirit. I had a student uh, that I, well, I have a student that I've been supporting for quite some time, uh, and uh, they're in that sort of upper primary uh, area, and we have great, great conversations, but this one day I noticed there were some hygiene issues, and I thought, oh, I don't know. I'd sort of been feeling it for a while, but this particular day God's saying, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit saying, you need to confront this, which sounds like a heavy word, but what he meant was you need to actually tackle this. You know, you need to really talk about this with the student. And I'm thinking, how do I do that and show the kindness of God? How do I speak in a way that's not going to bring them shame? How do I speak in a way that's not going to offend them or even their family? <laughs> it's sort of in consequence. So I was thinking, I don't know what to say. And, and, and I just, and God said, you just got to start, just got to open the, the door to the conversation. So I said, hey, uh, we've, we've been meeting for a while now. Uh, you know, I think we've built up some good rapport. And they sort of nodded. And I said, I need, I need to share something with you. Have you noticed this, this, and this? Are you aware of it? And what can I do to help you with this? And it was amazing. Unlocked this incredible conversation. But one of the things I said to them in the conversation was, I want you to know I'm telling you this because I care about you, because you have value and worth. So this matter is actually really important. And so this conversation is in a way still ongoing. And I'm sharing that with you because I want you to know that, that, that God's kindness in our relationships, it's, it's not always, it, it doesn't have to be this big, loud, over-the-top, excessive display to another, right? It can be a conversation, a handwritten note, a thoughtful gift, an arm around the shoulder, an offer of prayer. It might even be a, a listening ear, quality time, a calm response to a hurting soul. If someone comes to you and says, uh, you're having a conversation and they say, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm feeling quite stressed. I'm, don't say this. What do you have to be stressed about? It's not a kind response. I've, I've had someone come to me about that. And so these are the sorts of things I need to be thinking about. That's not, that's not a good way to deal with it because God's, God's kindness validates and affirms people that they are more than what they are going through. And so it speaks to their value as a human being, like me saying to that, that student, hey, guess what? You're actually got value and worth. So, so your hygiene actually matters. I care about you. I'm sharing that with you because it's, it's like kindness speaking the truth in love. And I think Speaking life means speaking truth in love. And so that's what we want to be doing. And so that's what Jesus did for this woman. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have supernatural life on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit empowers you to speak words of life, to speak kindness. Kind words ooze out of you because of what's living on the inside of you. And so kindness speaks, when we speak words of kindness, when we speak words of encouragement, I should say, it's pretty hard to be unkind. And so we want to reflect, uh, this is part of God's nature, we want to reflect that nature. His power is in you to enable you to do the same as He did here on this earth. And so in the coming week, what does speaking life look like in your marriage, with your children, in your friendships, with that co-worker, your neighbour, the student that you sit next to at school or university? What does it look like to speak life? Is it being specific in your encouragement? Is it telling them why you're grateful for them? Is it saying, hey, is there anything I can do for you this week you know, to lighten your load? Is it asking, hey, are you really okay? 
I'm believing over the next week and even the next month that as we respond with God's kindness, the way that Jesus did on earth, we're going to see our relationships flourish, be strengthened. And I'm believing even in some cases restored in the name of Jesus. I'm believing the atmosphere of your home and your workplace, uh, wherever you find yourself, looks different this week as you display His nature, the very kindness of God, as you clothe yourself with compassion, as you clothe yourself with that kindness, that kindness that has the power to transform and change. I'm believing for greater influence in your relationships with those who don't know Jesus as you share His kindness with them. Thank you, church. It's been so good being with you. Let's welcome Tom right now. Awesome. Thank you, Eden. How good is it having Eden come from Quinns Beach? Absolute fire. She is incredible. And Eden is someone who also models kindness like no one else. She is an incredibly kind person. It's the love of God in her and through her. So thank you, Eden. Well, I'm talking about today in our second part of today's message about judging others. So judging others, it's, it's a bit grim. <laughs> but you know what? We all love a judge. We all just love to have a bit of a judge sometimes. And so we're going to talk about it today. It's why we love reality TV. Can we be honest? It's why we love reality TV. Does anyone watch The Block? Put your hand up if you watch The Block. What about Survivor? Survivor, big Survivor fan. Married at First Sight. Maths. I've never watched that one. It looks, that one looks a bit too grim for me. But Michaela and I, we've been watching The Block this year. We've been watching The Block the past few years. And I just feel like it just gets a little bit worse every year. Just the content just feels like it gets more and more dramatic each year and less and less about building houses. But you still watch it, right? Because you love to watch what other people do in extremely high-pressure situations, making wild creative choices broadcasted to a national platform so you can sit on your couch with nothing to lose and go, they're idiots, what are they doing? Why would they choose that? That's not going to date well. Even the judges come in and say what they say, and we go, oh, these, they don't know anything. The judges, what are they talking about? They're obviously paid to do, they're professional interior designers who know what they're doing, but for us sitting at home, it's so easy for us just to pass judgment on people that we don't know like that. And at one time or another, all of us have had moments of judging other people. We can be sure of that. Some of us, we're pretty, some of us are better than others, but we've all had at least one time I'm very good at it. You know, we judge others for how they live or how they talk or how they sound or how they choose to live their life or even how they smell sometimes. A bit of a rough one. Well, that bounces off what your story was. That's great. (laughs) Nicely done. But in Matthew 7, uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 1 to 2, it says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Some big words from Jesus there. And I think it's safe to say that in our society in Perth, Western Australia, where we live, there is uh, a belief that can be held that Christians in the church have come off as judgmental people. There are people, you know, who believe that like Christians are just Bible bashers or that we, we project our moral standards on other people and expect them to live how we live. Or, you know, there's people who have been offended or hurt by Christians or by the church in the past who then harbor that feeling of condemnation and judgment against Christians as a whole or against the church as a whole. And John Tyson, the lead pastor of Church of the City in New York, is an incredible speaker and author. And he says, people basically think, here's the gospel. 
There's an angry God who created a religious system to oppress people and he brought fun police into being called pastors and ministers. And they're there to put an oppressive morality to wreck people's lives. So go tell the world the good news. It's a great, great quote. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be set apart. We are called to be righteous. You know, we are instructed not to conform to the pattern of the culture of the world around us, but to live set apart as holy, to to live at a different moral and spiritual standard, to be in the world, not of the world. But we're also called to love like Jesus. Am I right? We're also called to have grace like Jesus. We're also called as His ambassadors to represent His love and His grace and His life to the people around us and to the world around us. That's who He's called us to be, He's called you to be, and not just on the surface of who we are, but deeply intertwined into the fabric of our identity of who we are. We've got to represent and shine God's love, God's life, God's grace in and through all of our different relationships. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he continues in verses three to five. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? I'm going to stop there, verse four. And it's easy to sit back with nothing to lose and point out all the specks in other people's eyes. It sometimes it comes like instinct, <laughs> natural like it's programmed. We can point out the specks in other people's eyes. I can point out the specks in my wife's eyes and she can very easily point out the specks in my eyes, often when my wet towel's on the bed or I've been on the toilet for too long or (laughs) she asks me where the baby is and I go, (laughs) she goes, that's a speck. That's a speck. You need to know where your son is. But that brings me to my first point, is that we've got to see past the specs. We've got to see past the specs in other people because it's so easy to sit back with nothing to lose and say, oh, you got this wrong or that wrong and you talk wrong or you do this wrong or you shouldn't parent like that or you shouldn't talk to your friend like that or they shouldn't have done that to you and you hit one side of a story and to go spec, 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 spec. But we're called to see past the spec, not to see people and identify them for the spec that you see in them, but to see past that. And we currently live in a cancel culture world where it is encouraged and almost considered heroic in some, um, in some lights to give heightened attention to the specs of other people and then condemn them and judge them for it. We are quick to outrage and we are slow to grace. We are quick to outrage and we are slow to grace and we can find it so much easier to find flaws in other people than to find good things in other people, including ourselves sometimes. And pointing out the specs in other people can actually feel really good for a moment because in that moment, as you choose to judge or project something on another person, it actually elevates ourselves above that person to make us feel this sense of righteousness or this sense of holiness about ourselves, which is so diametrically opposed to what holiness is. But And it makes us feel powerful in that moment as we choose to make other people feel smaller and ourselves feel bigger. And as Aussies, we can naturally be pretty good at that. I feel like in, in Australia, at least, we have, we have such a cynical and such a critical culture of other people that we quickly cut people down to the size that we believe that they should be and not allow them to flourish in the person that they are. But that's not the culture that you and I are carried to call with us. We're Australians, but we're followers of Jesus. 
we're gonna, that's not the culture that we're, carried to, uh, to, we're called to carry, but you know, we're not going to bring that culture of criticism into our marriages. We're not going to bring that culture of cynicism into our parenting and the way that we treat our children. And we're not going to work tomorrow and just cutting people down the size like every other person. But we're called to live above that, to see past the specs in other people, to love people. And we can actually fight back against that spirit of cynicism and criticism and judgment that is around us. We can fight back with a spirit of celebration with a spirit of encouragement. Is that right? Is that good? Because maybe judging people is a weakness for you. That's fine. It's a weakness for me. You know, I can be honest. I'm saying it. Well, I think it's not something I'm perfect at. I I can admit that I'm not great at at always judging other people. And sometimes it's hard for people to resist doing that thing, to to point out the speck in the other person. Maybe you work with someone whose attitude just grinds your gears. Maybe maybe, uh, your kids don't listen to you the way that you want them to listen to you. You look at the other kids and they listen and they line up and then your kids don't do that. And you're like, well, what's the, you know, that's a speck. Maybe you're doing a group assignment for uni, or the young adults over here, maybe you're doing a group assignment for uni and you've got the one guy who you're doing a group assignment with and he just does nothing and expects you just to carry. And you're going, that's, a, that's frustrating, that's annoying, that's a problem. Maybe your husband chews too loud at the table. Is that me? I don't think that's me. I'm good. I'm a good chewer. Great chewer. God's gift. Anyway, when we have those things, let's, let's start praying about it. Let's start praying about it. I love that, even that song, you know, why would we not bring these things to God when he gives us that opportunity for peace, when he gives you that opportunity for freedom from judgment, it gives you that opportunity to bring life and celebration instead of judgment and condemnation. Why don't we start praying about it? Because in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God says to Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And we can pray these prayers and saying, Lord, when it comes to judging other people, I am weak, but I don't want to live like that. God, I pray, would you come and transform me from the inside out because I don't want a spirit of criticism or judgment, but I want a spirit of celebration. I want to be your ambassador in this world to lift people up, to encourage people, to love people, to see past the speck in other people. God, would you empower me in my weakness by your Holy Spirit to celebrate and love other people? We can pray simple prayers like that and not waiting weeks and weeks and weeks until we realize that we're actually kind of a a jerk, but we can pray it in the moment. As soon as we uh, recognize the motive of judgment against another person, or we have a thought or we have something that says, I'm going to, we can bring it to God in that moment. We can pray about it and pray that he would help us to see past that speck in that person to love and celebrate them. And we've got to love and celebrate the good in people. And I would challenge you right now just to think about what's someone or who is someone in your world that really annoys you or grinds your gears. Just think of some, because you know what? Everyone's got, everyone's got someone. It's not me, right? We're good. (laughs) Mine's not you. You know, yeah, we're good. What's something about that person that you like? What's something about that person you can celebrate? What's something that's good about that person? And if you think about it and you go, there's nothing, well, pray again. Pray again. Get it together. There is something good about that person that you can celebrate, that you can bring life to, that you can encourage, and you can actually tackle that spirit of criticism in your own world with a spirit of celebration. And a lot of it's going to happen on the inside before it comes out of you into that situation. And when we look at Jesus, he time and time again is meeting people where they are, sitting in the dirt, picking people up, calling people to follow. And more often, those people he calls to follow are the people with the most obvious specs. 
We can see that really clearly in the Bible. And Pastor Craig Rochelle is the lead pastor of Life Church in America. And Life Church is this uh, massive church in America. And they have the YouVersion Bible app they made and they run the YouVersion Bible app. So if you have that on your phone, that's their church. And he posted on Instagram this week, this uh, carousel post, this swipe through post that you swipe through on your phone. And the first part, it says, why did sinful people want to be around Jesus? And then it swipes across and it says, Jesus didn't make them feel wrong. Jesus made them feel loved. And I want to be like Jesus. I want to be on a daily journey of stepping to becoming slightly more like Jesus. I want people to see Jesus through me and in me, in our different relationships. I, want, I don't want people to feel judged by me or criticized by me or like I harbor something against them, but I want people to feel loved by God and celebrated in God's love. And which takes us to our second point and a pretty important factor in all of this is point two is that we, need, we actually need to recognize our planks because other people have specs, but we've got planks. And in, uh, Jesus continues in Matthew 7 verses 4 from there. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And we actually need to lay down our pride and humble ourselves to recognize and remove those planks that are in our world. And it's much easier to look out than to look in. Because sometimes you want to confront things that are in. Or sometimes there's looking in is just a bit too, there's not enough clarity for you to look in. But it's easier to look out than it is to look in. It's easier to point out other people's problems than it is to lay down our own pride and point out our own specks, our own planks, our own problems. But we need to bring God into our situation. We need to bring God into our world, into our hearts. We need to come to Him humble in open surrender to say, God, would you come in? Would you test my anxious thoughts? Would you find any offensive way in me? Would you search and investigate my heart and my mind to find, God, what? What are the planks that are in me? What are the things that need to be addressed? What are the the places of judgment that I cast on other people where you can come in and bring peace? Because Jesus modeled humility. Jesus modeled humility. Jesus celebrated humility in Philippians 2. It says that Jesus humbled himself to the cross, even death on a cross. And in Luke 14, 11, he says, for all those who exalt themselves would be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And humility is admitting that we aren't perfect. It's admitting to ourselves that we aren't perfect. It's admitting to God that we aren't perfect and that we actually need God's help. We actually need God to come in because we aren't perfect people, but He is a perfect God and He can come and bring strength in our weakness. We can come and bring transformation through the renewing of our minds and we actually need humility in us to actually allow God to come in and transform us. And humility actually helps people hear you. Humility will help people hear you. If in your relationships, if you need to talk to your spouse about a speck that's in their eye that you feel actually does need correction and actually does need some change and you feel like maybe it's your place where you need to bring some gentle correction into that space or maybe you're carrying an offence or a hurt from something a friend has said to you or done to you or done behind your back or there's something and, and, and you're coming at it with pride or you're coming at it with anger, coming at it with a judgmental attitude is not going to work. It's never going to work. It's never going to work out well. It's never going to help you. But presenting ourselves in humility 
can actually disarm the tension and actually allow for God's healing and peace to come and bring reconciliation to that relationship and bring correction to people and actually help that hurt disappear and become forgiveness and healing in Jesus' name. Come on. And humility is looking in before looking out and allowing Jesus' love and grace to be the filter through which we see others. And as we let Jesus in, he brings healing. He brings conviction. He brings grace and he brings transformation through the renewing of our minds as we are open and humble before him. He doesn't look in to judge. In Romans 8.1, it says that there is now no condemnation in Christ. He's not looking in you to tell you all the red flags so he can judge you for it. He's coming to transform you. He's coming because he wants to lift you up. He wants to, we've got to take steps daily of becoming more and more like Christ. And he wants to bring love into that, into your heart. He wants to bring grace into your heart. He wants to bring light and life into your heart. He isn't looking to judge us, but he guides us like the good shepherd that he is. And he can bring freedom to your heart and mind right now, right where you are. And we're going to take a moment to pray just to wrap up. I'm going to take a moment to pray. So if you, if you don't mind, would, would you just close your eyes where you are? Just close your eyes because I want you to have a moment where it's between you and God and it's almost like an exchange moment between you and God where it doesn't matter about the people around you or the lights around you or whatever, but it's all between you and God right now. And maybe consider what do you need to bring before God right now? What's the judgmental attitude that you need to bring before God? What's the relationship where you've had judgment in and that you need to actually bring reconciliation to in your own heart? What do you need to bring before God right now? Is there a person where you struggle to see past the speck? Is there a speck in your spouse that frustrates you that you actually need to grow through? Do you have a cynical attitude where you're quick to criticize others, where you're quick to outrage and slow the grace? What are the planks that you're bringing in surrender to Jesus right now? You might know that what they are and you might need help with them. You might not know what they are and you need Jesus to come and help you identify what those are so he can bring conviction and he can bring healing and transformation in you through that. God wants to bring freedom to you right now so that he can bring fresh clarity for you to see. And so let's pray. God, we just come before you right now and God, we ask that you would help us to be humble. Help us to be people of humility. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, would you come and search our hearts and our minds in open surrender? Would you come and search our anxious thoughts and the offensive ways in us? Would you help us bring up the planks that have maybe been pushed down under our pride? God, would you come and help reveal it in us so that we can grow as people of Christ and be the people that you've called us to be, not bringing a spirit of judgment to this world or to our relationships or our spouse or our kids or anyone around us. But God, we want to bring a spirit of celebration. We want to bring a spirit of encouragement. We want to bring a spirit of life. And so God, would you do that in us as you search us and find every anxious thought, every hurt, every judgment, every insecurity, every selfish thought, God. And would you come empower us in our weakness today, mighty God, that we could be the people that you've called us to be, that we could be your ambassadors on earth, that you would, you, would you help us to see others through the lens of your mercy? Would you help us to see others through the lens of your grace and of your love? Help us to carry grace, God, into our relationships, into our marriages, into our parenting, into our friendships. And we, God, we just thank you that you would help give us as we continue to present ourselves in humility before you, God. Would you, pre- would you grow us, mighty God, with a fresh sense of freedom to help us see with, gla- uh, with greater clarity like never before. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. 
we encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.